You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to Ooh To Be Alive from Magic Rock. Stephen Chicken here, getting carried away with the superior recording equipment provided by the And He Takes That Chance podcast because we're joined today by Matt from And He Takes That Chance as well as David Hartrick as usual. How are you doing, boys? Good, thank you. Excellent. And I have to say, this equipment makes yours look pathetic. Yeah. Um, Danny Cowley said the other day that this looks like something from Ghostbusters. Which <laughs> it's I not think wrong. Is fair comment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I paid for this myself, lads. Like, you know, this isn't the examiner money coming through. Well, just know that you failed. We don't have a sponsorship from Magic Rock, the, the premier brewing company of Huddersfield. Hang on. We're not sponsored by them. We, we do my job to. for me. Yeah. yeah we we yeah. don't need to. We're on who to be. No, treat yourself to a part of Carlin instead. <laughs> So we're coming off the back of two games, which probably we'd prefer not to talk about, but we are a Huddersfield Town podcast, so we probably better add talk about the 5-2 defeat at home to Stoke City and the 2-0 defeat to Southampton, which I think everyone has already forgotten about. Dave, what was your take, first of all, on that Stoke game? Uh, I think it was just culmination of lots of problems coming to a head at once. I think all the squad issues came out in the same game it was a game too far in a very very busy festive period um and some you know individual errors did not help you know at at four two I said to you arguably four goals against four individual errors Mm. and then the final goal is just one of those goals that happens when everybody's effectively given up um Danny said in the press conference afterwards it was a car crash of the game Mm -hmm. and I can't really make an argument against that no, it was, it was a complete self-destruction. As you say, every single goal, you could probably look at it and say someone should have done something better on it. Uh, the, the John Stankovic not getting that header on the, the ball over the top and Camille Grabara especially with that, that punch out that Danny Cowley has defended Grabara after the other errors that he's made this season and even he came out afterwards and said, I've no idea where he came to, to punch that. It was a baffling decision. It's a strange one as well because it's easy to forget now that they were actually 2-1 up in the 49th minute. Matt, what was your read on the game? I think it was um, a culmination of too many too many games in too many Both too short a time. Now. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting bitten with a journalist, so I'm trying to fit my big words <laughs> in where I can. Um, yeah, it, I think with the I think Danny Cowley said after the game, didn't he? So I've only got th- he, he, he was a little bit ragged after in his post match interview, um, and usually he's quite calm, composed. Whereas he seemed a little bit frustrated, and I think the frustrations of how many games we'd had in in, in a short period, and especially with he mentioned thirteen, fourteen squad players two or three yeah, times, that's right. yeah. and I think the lack. I think when you look at Stoke and Middlesbrough, they both made five or six changes. You know, sort of in and around the games against us, and we didn't have the luxury of that. And and f- for me, one of the weaker points of 
uh, Danny Cowley's regime so far, and there's been a lot of strong points, not so many weak, is that we, we start games really slowly. First 15 minutes is usually a little bit slow. I think you take the Leeds game away from that, where we came out like a train, yeah. but... Uh, the first 15, 15 minutes or so, we tend to start slowly and feel our way into the game a little bit. And then just before half time, that's usually when we're strongest, you know, before half time and just after. Yep. And uh, it got to the Stoke game got to 15, then it got to 20, and the 25, and it wasn't improving. And um, to be honest, I think it, it just looked like there were a lot of tired legs, and it yeah. just the game's caught up with us. And I think we can all sort of appreciate with our. Uh, Without fitness, count with that. You know, you've exercised that many times in that short period, and it's it's difficult. Yeah, I after the game, he when he came into the press conference, his body language was that of a defeated man on a couple of levels because it was clear that there was no other side he could pick, there was no other formation he could play, there was nothing else he could really have done in that game, and come away with a different result. Well, that's it. Do you take the risk and play your first-team players like they got through against Nottingham Forest and Blackburn, pretty much yeah. got through that? Yeah. Or do you play the kids and give them a rest and the kids get hammered and then they get hung out to dry? And it's a difficult, it's a difficult scenario what to do, I think. With, I, th- I think he's made the right decision. I think he's just a little bit... I think the, the, the bare bones, I think, is... Uh, is yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, he spoke after the game. I mean, Oggy from Radio Leeds put the question to him about the Southampton game that was then coming up and said, will you be tempted to play some of the kids in that game? And he was like, well, play who? Because mm. um, yeah. D'Amico Dehaney was cup-tied. Romani Edmund-Screen was cup-tied. Matty Daly's 18. He inherits 17. You know, th- there's... there's actually not that many kids to play the kids that are there have been on the bench because he hasn't had the numbers to make up an 18-man squad over the last couple of months yeah I think he's very very conscious as well of players like Jaden Brown he's very very quick to say and point out look this is still this is still a, he's not a senior pro this is a young lad who's playing like a senior pro and he's getting plenty of first team football etc but he is still very very much at the start of his career and we're having to look at him at this point as a first team regular so in terms of playing the kids they're already doing that when they've got a full you know as as close to a full strength side as they possibly can anyway so it's it's a very tough position and like you said I think it's just a game too far that's the reality the other thing was the sheer number of injuries that the team that played had had going into that game um, you know Fraser Campbell made it off the bench but he was coming back off an injury Jonathan Hogg was coming back from injury Elias Kachunga missed out altogether Lewis O'Brien's had an injury Jaden Brown's had an injury Danny Simpson's had an injury so half the players that, that ended up playing that were the only players that he could actually physically pick were all coming back off injuries I mean we've mentioned before I think Danny Simpson has not been at his best since he came back we highlighted that in last week's podcast but as you say I think it was all the chickens kind of coming home to to roost at the at the same time in in this game I think it's interesting as well like what a psychological difference it makes that it was 5-2 and not 4-2 because they conceded the fifth in the 90th minute and it was just a corner where Haddish Knight and Grant less Grant's fault because Haddish Knight just stood off James McLean and uh, let him put the cross in and Grant had gone out to try and support Haddish and I and Gregory was just round the back of him and just put it into the corner I think I think 4-2 you're kind of like oh that was tired legs and 5-2 suddenly feels like a disaster mentally tired I think as well yeah yeah and to be fair Danny touched on that as well he said it's it isn't just physical tiredness and I think that was actually quite evident they the thing about that Stoke game is I think Town need to be slightly 
I think town fans need to be slightly careful because that could have come two games earlier. You know, and we would have been making exactly the same arguments that we're making now. Yeah. The fact that they managed to get through this period, pick up the points they have, get those wins, and then collapse against Stoke, I think, fair enough. Yeah. It, it shows what a crazy league it is, though, Stephen, because Middlesbrough, I think before we played them, they were pretty much bottom three. Yeah. And now they're seven points off the playoffs. Really well. And, and yeah. all of a sudden they're looking and then thinking, maybe we could get one or two players in, and we're only a couple of wins away, aren't we? So yeah. it's, it shows how strange this league is and, I, I think and not, to, th- not to get too carried away was the, the point. The other thing that kind of highlights that is the fact that probably the, the games that we said they could probably afford to lose they won and the games that we said they have to make sure they don't lose them they lost. Uh, they've been very up and down like when you look at sort of the performances it's been a good performance a bad performance a good performance a bad performance and, and Stoke was kind of the nadir of that like it was I if you go by the play ratings, which I don't put too much stock in, I know that they were at home, but people were saying that was a worse performance than Bristol. It definitely wasn't a worse performance than against Bristol. No. Not, I, not by any stretch of the imagination. No, I don't, I don't think it was. I think that the mere fact that we can all sit here and make caveats tells you what you need to know about that performance. But I think, uh, whereas the Bristol game was just a collapse on a different level, that was just the end of a couple of players and uh, you know the Bristol game had to happen to sort the squad out the Stoke game had to happen to hopefully get the recruitment department going yeah I mean you would hope that that that, well we know that they have been working very hard behind the scenes to try and get players in they were hoping to have signings announced before the Southampton game which which hasn't come to pass before we move on to recruitment or Southampton though, I just want to mention the abuse that was directed towards James McLean uh, during the, the Stoke game because I don't feel like it would be right to sort of let it pass. I know that the club are taking it very seriously um, and that they're going to be doing an investigation. Last time I spoke to them about the incident, which is before the Southampton game, they were literally just waiting for the referee's report before they could go into things properly because they wanted to see exactly what had been said. But I think we'd all agree that there's there's no place for any kind of sectarianism or discriminatory abuse coming from the stands from from any set of fans towards any player. And I know it's something that's happened to McLean before at, H- at Huddersfield, strangely enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's not a great situation. I know it, it happens to McLean at, at every ground that he goes to because he's... He's been sort of tarred with because he refuses to wear the poppy or declines to wear the poppy, I should say. A lot of people direct abuse towards him. I don't think it's right. And I think if you're the kind of person that's going to the ground to abuse players like that, you need to have a bit of a look at yourselves. You also need to understand why he doesn't wear the poppy. I'm not going to go into it now, but it's there's a reason he doesn't wear the poppy. And it's it's not because you know, he's some ex-member of the IRA or something. It's Danny Cowley spoke actually very, very well about the incident afterwards. And uh, yeah, you know, there's there's not too much more to say on it at the moment because the club have got to conduct their own investigation and what have you. But I don't... I, the other thing I want to say is that I think there should be a little bit of praise for the fact that I've been in a ground where there's been an announcement about chanting before and absolutely nothing happened. And at town, the announcement went up and it stopped instantly. Yeah, even Stokes' press officer came out afterwards yeah. and said town to be commended now, for that. it shouldn't happen in the first place, but credit 
to the town fans who realised they'd gone too far and did stop immediately. And there was no booing. There was no of the. This is of the announcement. I mean, because I've seen a bad reaction to the announcement itself. So yeah, not a nice incident, but. Hopefully, people have learned from that, and hopefully, we don't have an announcement like that at a town game again. Yeah, fingers crossed. Nothing to say. Um, yeah, I think it's very. I think on a podcast, it's very difficult to unravel hundreds of years of Irish and pro-union, anti-union history, yeah. isn't it? So, I'm yeah. not really going to go too deep into that. Uh, I, I, what I will say is that I think James McLean gets a bad rap because of the type of player he is. I think if even if he didn't have the the whole poppy baggage. I think he will probably get some form of stick because well, yeah. of the way he plays the game. This I'm not going to. I'm not you know, you're, commending you're, it. You're right that he does wind up opposition fans. He's the kind of player that mm. will go over to a corner and give give fans a bit of stick back. Mm. Yeah, he, he does, and I, I think football fans. I think what they try and do is they they reach for something to hit him with, don't they? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what they've done. And I think once the announcements come over, they've gone, oh, right, yeah, okay, we'll stop now. And, and like I say, it's difficult to unravel that. And there are a lot of layers to it. And there's a lot of things Stephen, uh, sorry, not Stephen McLean, he played for Sheffield Wednesday. James McLean has and hasn't done. Uh, personally, from my point of view, I've read his, um, the transcript of what he'd sent to Dave Whelan from Wigan. And I, I understand fully why he doesn't wear it. And to a point, I support why he doesn't wear it. It's... It, it, I, uh, but that's, that's exactly it. I think if you people need to educate themselves, that I I think with with the whole poppy situation again, we can't go too deep into it. But whether you wear one or whether you don't, what's important is that you have a reason, and he has a reason. And I think it's worth saying that I think I think the majority of that bad reaction from the town fans is more to do with that tackle in the last 10 minutes of the last game in the Premier League. Probably. I can't remember who he went through, but he he really, he basically two-footed somebody on it the was far da- side. Yeah, it would have been Smith or somebody like that. It was over at the far yeah, side, wasn't it? Yeah, was it was a dreadful yeah. challenge, and I don't even think he got a booking for it. And I, I don't think the town fans thought, right, we're going to yeah. start chanting anti-IRA songs for no reason. It's, as, as Matt just correctly said... Football fans reach for anything they think will hurt the player involved. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, McLean has, there is an obvious trigger, isn't there? Yeah, which, as you say, and I know that neither of you are saying this, doesn't make it acceptable any more than if it no, was a black player. I, th- I think, I think what, one sorry. of the problems is, I think when he first had this issue at Sunderland, I think Sunderland handled it badly. And I think that allowed it to spiral. And I think it became a thing across football that James McLean's yeah. anti-British. And I think the it's, way it's Sunderland been going handled for years, it years is, and years. yeah. And I think that's. I think it stems from that. Whereas I think if it was nipped in the bud and he was allowed to put his statement out first of all, then I think some people might look differently on it. But yeah. like I say, you can't unravel hundreds of years of no, history exactly. in, in one podcast. And none of us, I don't think, are particularly experts. The, the, no, the, no, absolutely not. And the only thing I'd say is I like to think of sport and football in particular as a safe zone for people yeah, exactly. with different from different uh, ethnicities, from different beliefs, religions, etc. And I, I, I like to think football's where everyone can come together and, and play something. Yeah. So I, I don't like things like that personally. No. But I'm not going to sort of flay into town fans either because it's. It, I think it's a little no, complex. No, as I say, it's, it's, it, was, it is worth saying, as you say, it, is, it was a minority and it does happen every ground. You know, Stoke came out afterwards and said it's, it's even happened in their own ground, not from their fans, but from... Uh, in their own ground so it, it's it's as I say it's been going on for years uh, I think we've uh, we've we've had our say on that now anyway so moving on to Southampton then the game as I say that we've already forgotten <laughs> Dave you wrote the report and the player ratings for that at the weekend making your debut in print I believe for the examiner 
No, I've written. I've written before. Short memory. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I know you have. But okay. So making your debut match report in print for the for the examiner, Dave. Yes, I'll <laughs> give you that. Yes, we'll yeah. pretend that I didn't just edit that. Yeah, um, yeah. It was. I, I I said after you, you know, straight after the game, I said to you, it was broadly fine. Yeah. You know, Town got through without any injuries. There were no major mistakes. I think the first goal was preventable, but Premier League side, it was a bit of pressure telling. They coped very well first half with a barrage of crosses and Danso, who played really well first half. He was a real threat. I ran out of dancing ponds on the live blog. Yeah, you did. It was slightly annoying. Um, Jane Brown grew into that game, dealt with him to the point where he got subbed off. Um... Town played okay, as I said. It's just it, it's hard to be infused about it either way because again, it was just broadly fine. Yeah, second goal was just a deflection off Danny Simpson's heels as well. It was it wasn't like you know anyone stood off him uh, or yeah. let him shoot. And Town, I, I think it's fair to say Town had reacted to the goal going in. They they moved their press to a much higher press. Yeah. They they were they knocking basically on the didn't door. Press at all first half. Christopher Schindler missed the best chance of the game. Mm. Yeah, you know again. Broadly fine, yeah, and another weekend off in in uh, January as well. From uh... yeah, so you know, it, it's it's just tough to it's tough to get upset about anything. Tough to get sort of overexcited about anything. We went there, the job was done. Everyone came home fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that was how we felt. But looking at the reaction to the game on Twitter and looking at the play ratings that the fans gave. Hello, Cozzy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I don't know, I thought it was really over the top. I thought, and I know that there's a lot of frustration because of the lack of signings, which we'll, we'll come on to in a moment, but I don't know. I don't know what people expected other than a 2-0 defeat to a Premier League opposition. It's a difficult one, really. I think when you set up conservatively away from home like we did to sort of hit on the break and to maybe nick things, I think if you lose 2-0 and you don't appear to be... I think the perception is that you've not given it a go when that's yeah. not quite the case. I think you yeah, said they had chances; they just missed yeah, those chances. Exactly. But Guna had a very presentable chance yeah. first half. Yeah. Yeah. Miss, as but you say. like I say, I think it's all perception. I think because we sat deep and we tried to pick them off, I think people have kind of taken that a little bit like we were negative. And I think town fans, you know what town fans can be like if we don't give it a go. And I, I understand where they're coming from to a point, but again, I, I go back to what I said about the Stoke game. You've got tired legs, tired players, and. Again, the lack of lack of Southampton have freshened it up, you know, made a lot of changes, and yeah. and we've we've brought in Fraser Campbell, who's not probably match fit. And well, I mean, he's not play, he's only played ninety minutes once all season, exactly. Even so with even taking his injury out, of so I think that the result and the way we set up is very understandable. Yeah, um, and I think what town fans will come to realise, I think the more Danny Cowell is here, is that we'll set up like that a lot, and if it doesn't go right, it doesn't look good. Yeah, um, but it doesn't mean that the theory behind it wasn't. So it yeah. wasn't solid. Um, it was the same game plan that you used against Stoke and used against Brentford. Exactly. Which yeah. is soak up the pressure and hope you get something on the break. And when that comes off, you look brilliant, yeah. as they did against Brentford. And when it doesn't, as you say, you, it I looks guess, negative, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it looks like a lack of ambition. But I think there was. I think he had very little option. He was absolutely right to give Carlin Grant a rest as well. Carlin Grant, I think, had missed nine minutes all season before, uh, or certainly nine minutes under the Cowleys. Before the FA Cup game, he still came on off the bench yeah. uh, for the last sort of 25 minutes or so, but absolutely right to give him a rest. 
as Arsene Wenger used to say, he says players are in the red zone, if you remember yeah. that he used to say. Yeah. I think that's the yeah. case. And Carl and Grant, I think, has gone off the boil a little bit the last month. Yeah, one goal in his last seven league Yeah, games. but again, I think that's just due to over, you know, sort of the, the nature of being overplayed, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Um, players need dipping in and dipping out where appropriate. And I think I think it was time for Carlan to, to have a rest and I think he'll come back better for it. The other thing is, it's worth saying that without labouring the point, Town can't bring anybody else in. Southampton are a Premier League side. They bring in Danso, who was was brilliant for for forty minutes before Brown got the measure of him. Smallbone was brilliant yeah. all over the place. Well deserved his goal. Um, they brought in two defenders who've played plenty of Premier League football. Uh, Oreo Romeo in midfield. They kept James Ward Prowse in. That's a good side. Yashida's a good player as well. Yeah, yeah. it's a good Excellent side. Book as well if you're a fan of the uh, football book club podcast. I recommend to all our listeners. Um, so, it, it, again, I, 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 I understand the negativity from the point of view of me being a neutral and sort of hovering on the outside of it a bit, but there has to be an understanding. I just I don't think there's anything else Danny Cowley could have done. And I think if he had done anything else, I think there is a very real possibility it would have been far worse than a 2-0 defeat. And then you've had a 5-2 and potentially yeah. a 4 or 5 nil defeat after that, even if you've played a load of kids or what have you, and morale is really through the floor. Again, even though it's an understandable result, then everybody's really, you know, through yeah. the floor. So I, I just don't know what else they could have done. No, I think the performance looked probably... Uh, the point I was trying to make is the performance probably looked worse than it actually was. Yeah. Um, I think if you watch the highlights, it probably looks... Yeah. Yeah, I, I think if you watch the... Like I watched the 90 minutes and it was... a. It was a tough watch, to be honest. Um, yeah. But if you if you if you shorten it down, and Danny Cowley's right, we had four good chances where we could have got something, and 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 they've scored with a deflection, and um, and Vaz saved us, the armpit saved us again, which was <laughs> which is interesting. Um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things that Southampton fresh, Premier League side, and ultimately, it doesn't up. matter. Town weren't going to go and win the FA Cup. It was never like you said. It was never a priority. Was no, it? The, the, it's it's nice to do it, and it's never nice to lose a game, but. Our priorities lie in, in staying in this Probably league. the only yeah. benefit to going through would have been, as much as you want to have a cup run, and I don't mean to disrespect the FA Cup, but with the position that Town are in, they've got one priority, which is staying in the division. If they'd maybe got a home game against Man City or Liverpool and BBC had brought the cameras and they paid them a million quid to come and cover that game, then, you know, that would be a windfall. But short of that, th- there was little in it for Town. I think we can kind of just just let it... Let it go, and and <laughs> no one will remember this game at the end of no, the season. Exa- well, judging from the reading figures on the on the website over <laughs> that game, I don't think anyone particularly cared either way. To be perfectly I, honest, I think it's worth drawing a couple of positives from it, though. And I think one, and again, I don't, I don't think this came across on the highlights because I had one or two comments about this uh, from my match report and player ratings. But Trevor Chalabar had. I would say probably his second best game in a town shirt. Yeah. He was really progressive. He was virtually playing as a 10 at times. Yeah, he was um, second half in particular when they were chasing the game. There was a couple of moments first half. There was a great run and cross. And then there was another moment where he turned, eased past two Premier League midfielders, was moving into space and Shane Long basically hacked him down and got a yellow for it. Um, and that was good to see, but he's got to replicate that now longer term. I said to you on the day, Steve, I yeah. hope he's not one of these players who is better against better players, you know, who needs to be at a, a, a high level to get his level. But 
yeah, I'd hope he can replicate that. And I think the other thing was it was good to see Fraser Campbell back and he looked really sharp. He was doing the pressing job. He, you know, he didn't get an opportunity. He had one scuffed shot uh, about 15 minutes in. It was the, their first chance. And I think Lewis O'Brien was probably better placed in the centre. But he looked really, really sharp. And the one thing that's obvious to me is that the way Cowley has to play at the moment, it's so dependent on Campbell at times because yeah, Grant is. needs him to do the running for him and the pressing for him. It changes how they play on the other side, down the right, with Grant on the left. It changes what the midfield do. So Town really needs a fit Fraser Campbell or a fit Fraser Campbell-type player so that they can play the more effective football they have been playing. The other thing that I mentioned there was the stick about not having got a signing because Danny Cowley had said in the build-up to the game, he even said it on the Thursday, which is two days before the game, that he was hopeful of being able to announce a signing before kickoff on Saturday. That then didn't transpire, and I think some of the sort of the old frustrations that we saw a bit of last summer have started to sort of boil up again already. I mean, we were I saw a tweet on Saturday evening that was complaining that they hadn't got a player in yet. It was the 4th of January. Like, the window had been open for four days and people were complaining that they hadn't made a sign-in yet. I know that people are keen to see players come in the door, but that's a bit early, isn't it, Matt? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I think you look last year. I think the 4th of January was when we got Jason Punchin, and that didn't particularly go great, did it? But uh, I, I think what people... I think the perception is that we've had all since summer to tee everything up. It's just not but how it works, though, is it? it? Just, no, from, from what I've experienced you know, from, from reading, listening, and, and talking to people involved, it, it doesn't work like that. Um, no. People don't... Clubs, that if, especially if you're going for a loan, loan clubs don't make a decision until the last minute. Because you know, they've got no reason to. No, absolutely. And then, then obviously, the, the, the hang on to them for as long as possible, just in case something happens, an injury, something happens. And often, transfers are, are more of a domino effect. It takes one piece to go first before the rest all fall yeah. into place. And town, town aren't big spenders in this league. They're looking for loans and they're looking for uh, good value. And that doesn't happen at the start of the window when you're not going to go and pay six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. You know, you, you have to overpay, I think, in certain ways. I know Middlesbrough have gone out and they've got Patrick Roberts, which is a, a good signing. And, and Barnsley have gone and got a, an Austrian midfielder up to a bit of fanfare as well. I think and, Preston, have, have they signed Scott Sinclair today? Yeah. They, yeah. They, they've done so it, got it I, I understand when people sort of go, why can't we do that? But I think it just depends completely on the players that you're after and when the yeah, pieces fall yeah. into place. And it's the market you're in, isn't it's, it? It's like buying a house, isn't it? Like yeah, I, I, there's an upward chain or a downward chain. You're going to get exactly. stuck in it. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm just. I'll, I'll bite my tongue till the end of the month. In sense, you know, if if I if I go off on one now and say we should have had players in here or there or there, I, I know better than to do that. But it, you know, and then three days later, you've got three or four through the door. Then. You know, it's, it's all I, for nothing. I, you kind of keep your powder dry until yeah, the end of the I month think, and then you analyse it properly. Yeah. I think you're right, but to defend fans a little bit here, I think the position Town are in, if they don't have a player in by, say, the 10th, I think they can legitimately ask questions. Yeah, uh, But, you know, on the 4th, I think you're right, Steve. I think it's... And the other thing is... The other thing you shouldn't rule out is that you can line up everything you want, but on January the 1st, everything can change. And a manager can go, actually, no, I want to keep him. The player can go, no, actually, now I don't fancy it. 
it's nigh on impossible. But yeah, I think if they get to the temp and they haven't got anyone in, then fans can legitimately ask a few questions. But I, 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 well, we know they're working away, but they want to get the right players in. And that's the other thing it's worth saying that Town have had transfer windows where they've signed plenty of players, but they were the wrong players. Yeah, Jason so, Punchin. Yeah. yeah. So. If you go and get two players in this transfer window, and that doesn't seem like enough, but they're two players who come in, immediately make an impact, play the rest of the season, and are better than the options you had, that's better than going and getting four players who aren't fit for purpose. Exactly, so there's, yeah. there's, you're right. You've got to, yeah, you've got to hang on. You've got to hang on. But I understand the frustration. You live or die by your recruitment, essentially in football, yeah, don't I you? Mean, Danny says it's eighty five percent of the job. Exactly, and you can't. You can't just go out and sort of point at, you know, it's like throwing a dart into a board. You can't just do that. You've got yeah. to be very meticulous in who you want and, yeah. and who fits. And, and if those players aren't available, then if, if we go out and we spend money and we bring in the wrong players, it potentially could relegate us. And, yeah. you know, we, exactly. we, can, we can't yeah. put ourselves in that position again because that's what happened. I think a lot of the frustration is that summer 2018 was a particularly bad one. So yeah. I think there's there's still and not a little bit last of summer, let's be honest. No, I think so. I think there's a little bit of trepidation. I'm using big words again because the journalist, <laughs> but I think there's a little bit of that because of we've had previously poor windows. So I think yeah, people are a little fair. bit naturally nervous. I think again to sort of stick up for Huddersfield fans. I mean, so to, to be fair, yeah, I mean Danny has talked about putting right the mistake. They're trying to unravel what went wrong in previous windows. I, like I don't think there's anyone at that club that would say no, we nailed it. Last few windows, everyone's been very unfair. Everyone acknowledges that they they have messed it up and that they're still dealing with, with a lot of those messes. If you look at the players that are on the transfer list, that's almost certainly going to go for less money than they paid for This them. is it. I think it's important to say that Town's squad issues aren't going to be sorted in one transfer window anyway, and they absolutely aren't going to be sorted in one January transfer window <laughs> where... It's very tough to get value. It's very tough to get your primary targets. I, again, you know, I feel like I'm making a lot of caveats all the time, but I, uh, for both both sides of this argument, but you have got to wait and see really where you are on February the first. Yeah. I personally think that Town will get a couple of loan signings. Uh, I think they probably they they may sign someone permanent because I think. The problems are so self-evident that I think if they can get the right player on a permanent deal, I think they probably will push the button. But, yeah, you know, I'm with you. I I don't think they're just going to go and get six players in just because they're worried about the fans kicking off. Uh, Uh, Particularly with this recruitment team now of of Webb and various others who've got a hand in it, they want to make sure that if a player comes in... The other thing is, I think if these loan players, at least one or two of them, they'll be looking at them seriously can we get them over the summer? You know, it's it's obviously Premier League loans, you can't always do that, but there may be other players that it's essentially a trial to the end of the season as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was going I was going to say um you you look at there's there's usually players coming up out of contract at the end of the season and yeah. if they've given notice that they're not going to renew then there's there's maybe a deal to be done there. There's a there's a left back at Lincoln who keeps getting mentioned every now. I've got no idea if it's true or not, but you know there's a left is that, back. Is that tough? Ha- Harry Toffolo keeps getting yeah, mentioned yeah. all the time. Who is, and who is? I can tell you. I I've seen him a few times. He's a terrific player and he could do a really good job for Town. But again, it's unraveling the yeah, exactly where the deal is. Lincoln Lincoln. They're sort of middling out the, actually at the minute. Out sort the of league. dropping down the table to be honest. Yeah, and, yeah. and they're going to look at that and, th- and then they're going to go, if we sell him, 
it's, we're not going to get a lot of money yeah. because he's out of contract. And they're asking there's, themselves there's the same question that Danny said. Exactly, is defining every bit of business that Town are looking to do. The big question they're asking themselves is what could get us relegated this season, and how do we fix those issues and and cover for them and make and, sure that. And they what don't some happen. people probably don't uh, probably don't take into account, and you know I've probably not taken this into account in the past. Is Lincoln are probably looking just we're talking theoretically about yes, Toffler. Yeah. But it, it Lincoln are looking at that and they're thinking, Harry Toffolo, let's wait until the very end of the window. You know, interest will always be there. Let's wait till the very last moment yeah. and let's see where we are. Let's see who's fit. Let's see who's available. Let's see who we can replace yeah. him with because they won't really be planning for life without him yet. So, like I say, Domino's all, you know, he's yeah. all, I mean, all over the place. To give a couple of examples, Ryan Schofield, it's been announced uh, just as we're recording this uh, that he's gone on loan to Livingston. Now, that's only happened because their goalkeeper that they had was on loan from Aston Villa, and he's been recalled because Tom Heaton's knackered his knee and he's going to be out for a year. So that's a player that Town have been looking to get out for months, and suddenly like that, they've got a loan for him straight away because of something that no one could have seen coming, a freak injury to a goalkeeper. That's for first-team experience as well. Yeah, exactly. Because the way you said that, it sounded like you were another one of the troublemakers. Oh, no, 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 not (laughs) at all. No, no. Sorry, he's yeah, a nice lad. Cowley had been saying for months he wanted to get him out just to get experience. Exactly right, because he's obviously and a he very does need it, goalkeeper yeah. and he needs it. Yeah. Sometimes it can happen like that, but more often than not, you get what Danny says, uh, describes as being cues for players. And to take another example, let's say Town are in for a player and they've talked themselves to the top of the list with that player, and then all of a sudden Arsenal cancel Eddie Nketiah's loan at Leeds, and Leeds say, well, we want him now. There's a very good chance that Leeds go to the top of that queue instead, Mm. because they're up towards the top of the table, they've got a manager that everyone wants their players playing under, and this is a hypothetical, this isn't something that's happened, but these are the things that happen, and this is why clubs that are loaning players out don't have really any incentive to rush them out the door when they know that their players are in demand for practically every championship club. A, g- a good example is um, we were linked with Rian Brewster from and I Liverpool. I believe there was some validity to that link as well. Yeah, exactly. And you look at, who, you know, and, and apparently he's, um, you, re- you read sources, don't you, on, on the internet, and they say Jurgen Klopp wants him to go to Swansea because of, you know, he's guaranteed minutes, you know, they're chasing promotion, etc. So and, they, and he's under Steve Cooper, who, uh, who coached him for... Uh, the England youth team, so that uh, everything falls into place for him. There. They only came again to use that example. I think, if rumours be believed, they only came in for him because Sam Surridge got recalled. Yeah, by his parent club. So yeah, I feel like we should be singing Dominoes, the, the, song, <laughs> the indie song from a few years ago. But yeah, yeah, exactly. And you look at where we are. We're twentieth in the championship yeah. at the minute. The, the football we're playing to the outside eye will pro- people will probably it's, think well, it's not 3-3-1-3 three, 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 is it no, no it's not and it's it's needs must is what yeah, we're doing exactly. at the we're in survival mode and you know we look at it and we think yeah we need to play this way because we need to survive whereas people outside are going I don't really want my 18 year old slightly fragile striker playing as a solo man with balls being banged up to him you know by by a couple of centre-backs and you know and having people go through the back of him so I, I think when it comes to queuing I think you're very right to bring that up because I think Danny Cowley's also mentioned that several clubs going for the same players. Everybody looks at the same players. There are no secrets in football, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And if someone like Eddie Nketiah uh, comes available, you saw in the summer Leeds, Bristol City, Preston, several others were after him, and yeah. you know the queues form. And and at the minute, we're not the most attractive. You know, we are to to me, we're the most attractive club in the Championship. Obviously, <laughs> I'm a Huddersfield fan, but to other people. We're probably not and, top and, of the list. And you know, listening to Danny Cowley, he and Nicky and David Webb. 
and, and other figures at the club have spent basically all of December, all of the last six weeks, going out, meeting clubs, meeting players, meeting agents, and trying to convince them that Huddersfield Town is a great place to come and the right place to and come. And this is, this is unseen work as well, yeah. so town fans won't see what's going on there. Yeah. So David Webb's probably working so hard, and then he'll log on and somebody goes, what's, what's David Webb doing? We haven't yeah. got anybody. You know, not that I've seen that, but no, that, no. That, that has happened in but the past. If, yeah. if it, but then if a deal collapses... People don't know. People yeah. just say, people "Well, why, yeah, exactly. Why didn't you snap him up?" You weren't trying hard. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it it, it, it's part of the transparency in football is not always there, so people people naturally jump to that, don't they? That's, that's the thing. other thing that I kind of, and I know that I'm kind of jumping to the club's defence a lot here, but that's another thing where I think that there's a little bit of unfairness. I have seen someone say, you know, they, um, I've seen people say they've not had enough updates from the club. We've had emails into the website saying Danny Cowley's saying too much mm. um, about his intentions by saying that he wanted to get a player in before Southampton. People complained last summer when they weren't getting updates on the transfers, but then when Phil Hodgkinson came out and tried to explain what they wanted, people then said that he was breaking his promises. You, you never win like with you everybody. Win. You never win with everybody. Uh, that's, that's the thing. Different yeah. people want different things. Different people think different things, and you, you'll always... You'll always ruffle a few feathers from people, whatever you do. And I think the football club have stayed silent before. And when Dean Hoyle, uh, 2013-14, went right back and Nigel Clibbins came to the front and the club went very quiet for a little bit. And all of a sudden it's like, the reason he did that was because people thought Dean Hoyle was saying too much. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you've got nothing and everybody's like, where's Dean Hoyle? Where's all these tub-thumping speeches we need? And... You know, and then he came back. It, it, I think the thing, the, I think the club should just do what they think is right. They, they think they tend to do that now. Dave Thrillfall Sykes does a great job in sort of media communications, yeah. doesn't he? He's, he's, gr- he's great, as Dave. And um, I, I think as long as they just go with what their their gut instinct is, uh, I think someone will always be happy and someone will always be unhappy. It's just the way football is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the club will want to back Danny Cowley as well. They they. It's important to say that they're not going to turn around and say you know, you've got to work with what you've got. Well, actually, we've changed all our plans. They want about Danny Cowley. Danny Cowley is not saying he wants to play in before Southampton to put a load of pressure on anyone. It's because he knows people are working hard and there's a list of targets and he's hoping they're going to have someone. And the other thing is that we in the press have asked him that question about literally about 12 times <laughs> since the middle of December. After every single game and in every single weekly press conference, we're asking for an update. And... <sighs> That, that's our job. That's what we're meant to do. But, you know, there's only so many times he can yeah, straight back that. He, yeah. he, what he wants, to tell, he wants to tell people what's going on. You know, I've spoken to people at the club that have told me if it was up to us, we'd tell everyone everything that was happening. There'd be no undisclosed fees. Everything would be out in the open. But that just isn't the culture of football. And if we're doing that, then everyone's getting angry at us. So we have to play these... these by by the rules in a certain way and play the game a bit. Yeah, I think one thing one thing that's important to remember as well is that Danny Cowley's already said we're we're over budget and we've got a queue yes. of several players that we need to move out as well. So I think in terms of finance as well, we need to move players out and again that's not easy. Either. So it's going to be difficult for the club of I understand why Danny Cowley did what he did the watershed moment we'll call it at Bristol City. I understand fully why he did that with Adam, and Stephen you wrote that about Adama Diakabi which was 100% oh. right. Um, I, I, ho- I just hope that whoever's coming in for Damadia Kabi doesn't read your article on, on his yeah, book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's gonna, we, we need to move these guys out as well. He's already said, you yeah. know, we've got a 28-man senior squad. We need a 22-man. You know, 
So that already hints that more need to go out before people come in. And it is such a lopsided squad at the minute. And I, I think the other thing is that people... The other thing that fans sort of don't really get sometimes is that they think, you know, we need to get big transfer fees so we can spend it on players. That's not the important part of this process. They need those players off the wage bill. Yeah. It's the wage bill that is the thing that's over budget. There will, there will be money there to invest and to buy players, but yeah, you know, Mbenzen, Diakabi, etc. will be on a level of money which, to be frank, they're not earning <laughs> there's, there's, the there's other things as well I'm sorry to go football manager on you but there's there's like your loyalty bonuses you're signing on They're, those yeah. are spread across the contract aren't they they're not all paid yeah. up front yeah. so he, they'll be able if they I believe the way it goes is that if they don't ask for a transfer directly then they're owed that in full so that yeah. again is yeah. another another thing that people probably don't take into account unless they play football manager like me and you Steve yeah. Yeah. no no but, you, you know, you know the, there are other financial things and and then, as Phil said on uh, Phil Hodgkinson said on on the podcast we did with him, that, you know, there's the tax situation. We do a podcast. We do a podcast. Yeah, yeah. if people want to look at that, well, yeah, we do. But you know, Phil Hodgkinson said there's the tax situation, and there's there's probably also. So if you sell Terence Congolo for let's just pluck an, you know, something out of the air, 13 million, you know, it's not going to be 13 million that you get through. So you don't really have 13 million to invest because you've got to pay yeah. him off. Yeah. You've got to pay his bonuses. You've got to pay tax you've got and to pay that, all sorts and that 13 million is probably going to come to you in dribs and drabs over four years yeah. three years if you're lucky but the tax bill would be payable up front yep. as it was the, ta- the, the tax bill takes the initial amount yeah. these these are all the things that I, I am acutely aware that none of what we've said in the last couple of minutes is particularly sexy but is anything is we ever say ever sexy dave i have my moments <laughs> but yeah no you're quite right but uh, and it's, you know, I, I've got some accountancy training, but I find some of this stuff difficult to get my head around sometimes. It's, yeah, you know, it's, when, it, it's when, a pocket universe, football finance. It, it really, really is. is. Yeah. So, Matt, I'm, I'm really upset you didn't join us in saying it really is there. Never mind. I'm, I'm, I'm non-accountancy. I'm way behind you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if you are interested in learning more about Towns Transfers, we've got a special podcast episode, which I believe is going to be available over on the And He Takes That Chance feed, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, Never heard a, of it. A genuine um, crossover episode. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And people thought Avengers Endgame was big. Uh, I, was go- I was going <laughs> so Bojack search- Horseman. But I mean, let's be honest, everyone that listens to this already listens to Takes That Chance, but probably. Search for it anyway. We'll be on there. We're recording straight after this just to give you a peek behind the curtain. So something to look forward to. Uh, finally, we should finish because we've got our fourth guest for the transfer special who's been waiting very patiently for about half an hour now. Bless him. Um, Barnsley, coming up at the weekend. Big game, in it, Dave? Yeah, it, it is. And I think you'll see... I don't think Town are going to do the sit back and try and catch them on the counter thing. I think they'll be a bit more progressive. I, I don't know if there'll be a new face in the squad either, but I think that will potentially lift a couple of people if there is yeah. I think Carl and Grant will benefit from that rest I I quite strongly fancy town this weekend to to go and get that win I mean it's a big game and the pressure's on but I I would genuinely be quite surprised if they come away with anything but an away win there main thing is just not to lose though in it Matt 
Yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't, like you say, you're talking about sexy words, aren't you, in this podcast, and it doesn't sound great if you just go, yeah, we just need to not lose this game. It, it, you know, it doesn't sound great. It sounds, sounds negative again, yeah. doesn't it? But it's true. If Having we, dropped points already to Middlesbrough, dropped exactly. them to Stoke, you yeah, know, dropped, it's, dropped them to Wigan. I hate using cliches and six-pointers, but it, it's not great, is it, if they win and, we, you know, and we've got the, the loss. Um, I think it's right to say that we just need to make sure we, we navigate through this without losing. If we do lose, it's not the end of the world. We've still got some points. We've still got that buffer, haven't we, at the minute? Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm with Dave. I think we can win the game. I think we've got a full week's rest. I think we've. I, I think there's going to be one new face in, potentially, uh, just by the way people maybe, are talking. Maybe two, Carly said. Yeah, so I, I think that will be a lift. I think, more importantly, it'll be a lift to the, the away end. The away end's brilliant at Barnsley. It yeah. rock, you know, if you get... Yeah. If people yeah. people sort of turn up in, in good spirits, it can really rock you know, in there. You know, it's it's got a good low roof. You can make a lot of noise. And I think that makes a difference to carry players through. Uh, and I think... We'll probably have quite a good following there on uh, on Saturday, so probably three, four thousand maybe. And uh, you know, if we get if we get behind them, I think that could probably carry us through. And I'm I'm hopeful that we can go there and, and get something. But Barnsley have turned a bit of a corner as well, so yeah. uh, I don't think they're as bad as what the positions suggest. But if we win, I'm I'm delighted. If we draw, I'm not overly worried. Fantastic. This seems like as good a place as any to leave it. So, Dave, you're on Twitter, aren't you? Sometimes. Ah, what's your uh, <laughs> What's your handle? Ten four. Uh, at uh, at David Hartrick, good buddy. At at the boy wonder. And uh, what are you, Matt? I'm at TTC Matt. So that's TTC because of takes no, that but chance. I mean, obviously, what are you, Matt? <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at you. Are you some kind of wolf man? It's more like a Phil Starbuck reject from 1992. Yeah, there is a touch of the Chewbacca to you. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. True personal story. I don't usually go personal on any podcast, but my uh, my wife uh, at the very very start did say I looked like an Ewok. So you know she 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 thinks I'm an Ewok. So my wife. Yeah, (laughs) lovely. Okay, so join us next time on. (laughs) Nearly said takes that chance on (laughs) Utabia. We'll be back at you next time. Thank you. Goodbye. (laughs) 